This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plains FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plainsfm.org.nz. Thank you.
Welcome to the August edition of the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Connection. The programme is presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30pm on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. Being in lockdown, we're not able to be in the studio to record the programme, so Heather and I are doing it over the phone. It's not as easy as being in the studio. No, it definitely is not as easy. Well, over the last month, nearly every day, Shetland and Orkney have had new cases of COVID-19. Seems to have been a bit of a surge in numbers lately. And here in New Zealand, we got quite a shock a couple of weeks ago when the Delta strain arrived in Auckland with a traveller from Australia. And we were quickly put into level lockdown four. Here we go again, stuck at home. Mind you, I'm getting a lot done in the garden. I went for my first vaccination on Monday this week and had to go quite a distance from my home for it. I did not mind it as it was nice to get out and go for a drive. Have you had your jab yet, Jan? No, I haven't. I'm due to have mine toward the end of September. Oh, that's a wee way to wait, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. And I have to say, it really isn't very exciting staying at home, is it? Uh, no, it's not really, no. <laughs> Anyway, contact tracers are having to contend with rude and abusive behaviour as the pandemic progresses. NHS Shetland's Interim Director of Public Health, Susan Laidlaw, said, We have people who are really quite rude and abusive. Not many, but some. Our contact tracing teams are putting up with it, but they're just doing their job. So if people could be respectful and polite when they called, that would be really good. Yeah, it make it a lot easier, isn't it? But there's always one or two. Mm. Yeah, it's but sad here, isn't it? It is, yes, yeah. Rodent Reflection, Dr Stephen Clarkson from Sandy. He wrote this little bit. Even Mrs Isabella Beaton did not have a recipe for the voles on the menu at Scarabray. Didn't Neolithic Orcadians simply roast them on an open fire, rodent rotisserie? Or did their culinary competence match the sophistication shown by the glyph gormans of ancient Rome? The Romans reared edible dormouse in terracotta containers, fattening them up on acorns, chestnuts and walnuts. Once plump enough, they were prepared for cooking by stuffing them with minced pork, seasoned with ground pepper, pine nuts, laser and liquamen, then sewn up and baked in an oven or roasted in a pan. An edible dormouse will make a less meagre meal than an Orkney vole, however. It has a confusing conservation status in the UK. Under Appendix 3 of the Byrne Convention, edible dormice are legally protected. But as a non-native species, it is an offence to release one into the wild or allow it to escape. Present-day Epicureans avoid litigation and enjoy a more substantial snack by substituting squirrel. But I really um, am not too sure whether I would want a meal of vole or dormouse or even squirrel, but I suppose if one is hungry. Mm. I'm sure there's always a good turnip or swede to be found somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but a clap shot with it, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, so that's from the papers. Earlier this month, Lord Wallace made a whistle-stop tour of Shetland in his role as a moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland. He visited the Walter and Joan Grey care home in Scalloway, where he paid tribute to its dedicated staff who have faced unprecedented challenges during the COVID pandemic. The care home has 16 residents and additional daycare is offered for older people. Care home manager Jenny Gunn said, It was a lovely afternoon and our residents enjoyed the moderator's visit. He also addressed an elders and local church leaders gathering in Bray and spent time with church members and ministers. A tree grown from seeds which survived the atomic blast at Hiroshima has been planted to mark the 76th anniversary of the bombing. The ginkgo biloba seedling was planted at Lerwick Flower Park two weeks ago as part of an international message through the Mayor's of Peace Initiative. Although the atomic blast blast at Hiroshima on the 6th of August destroyed 13 square kilometres of the city, six ginkgo trees near to the bomb site survived to produce seed. They have been gathered and circulated through the Mayor's of Peace scheme. Shetland Amnity Trust staff have nurtured the ginkgo seeds which have grown in a greenhouse and been taken outside. Some seedlings have already been planted out in other locations in Shetland, including some schools. And I have been to Hiroshima and visited the Peace Park, and I just felt very sad, um, not for the people that were killed outright, but for the ones that were had radiation burns and that. It was horrific, and especially for the children. And the ginkgo trees I saw in Japan were huge, the biggest I've ever seen. Yeah, it's incredible to think that anything could survive that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Really was. Mm. Um, moving on, um, two nine-week-old Springer Spaniel puppies have arrived in Shetland to join the Dogs Against Drugs team. They travelled with their new handlers, Hannah Anderson and Megan Grant, who are both being trained to become special constables with Police Scotland. The two dogs will join the three-dog team already in Shetland. The two pups have yet to be named. I'm sure they'll have a competition for that too. Yeah. Earlier this year, the RSPB Scotland were pleased and excited to spot a pair of golden eagles nesting at the organisation's nature reserve on the island of Hoy. It was very disappointing when they found the golden eagle chicks had succumbed to the cold, wet weather in May. It is hoped the pair will return next year to try again. Here's hoping they succeed that this time. Golden eagles were once a common sight in Orkney, breeding across the islands, but persecution by humans meant that just a single pair were left by 1848 in Hoy. And they are now making a slow return. It's a shame that they didn't survive the winter. Yeah, it is, yeah, yes. Was it the winter? when they sort of hatched them, you know, and all that, so yeah, it's a shame. It doesn't seem like the weather's been too brilliant over the summer even. Yeah, not like here at the moment. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it's magnificent. If you have to be locked in at home, it's the weather in which to do it. It is too, yes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Hey, uh, still with snippets from the paper, a greater police presence was noticeable on Orkney's country roads earlier this month. A film crew was also present collecting footage for a new television show. The, poli- the road policing unit has been working to address some of the road concerns that have come in from the public and a lot of them have been in relation to speeding. It's understood that a documentary on rural policing is intended for the BBC next year. 
Yeah. Uh, if you have just tuned in, you are listening to the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Connection, presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society, and it is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. Program is broadcast on the last Monday of the month at 8.30pm. Prince Charles had a quick visit to Shetland this month and during his visit he carried out four engagements. He unveiled plaques at Lerwick Fish Market to officially open both the Lerwick and Scalloway markets. He also visited Lerwick Town Hall, the NAFC Marine Centre in Scalloway and the Uradale Sheep Farm. His visit had been planned two years ago but was postponed when his plane broke down then the pandemic meant he could not visit last year. Oh, isn't it tough being royalty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thought this was a very interesting article in the Shetland Times last week. Luke Way, a son of Carolyn Way, one of our society members, built himself a Viking galley in Ravenshoe, North Queensland, and set fire to it to celebrate his 50th birthday. He was first introduced to the tradition of Upheliar. 37 years ago, when his uncle built and burnt a small Viking, Viking boat. He was so taken with what he saw, he promised himself then he would recreate the fire festival for his 50th birthday. This he did, but COVID put a stop into a big party, so he used a drone to film and live stream the event, with around 75 viewers turning, tuning in from Australia, New Zealand and Europe. Having spent so long building the galley, most people could not believe Luke was going to burn it. I think they thought I was off my rocker, he said. Well done, Luke, and it was quite a big boat too. Oh, I would love to have seen that, and what a shame he couldn't have his, his proper yeah. fire festival party. Yeah, well, his mother had intended to go over, but with COVID, so she couldn't get over. So that was, she was, you know, that was disappointing, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so many plans have gone astray, haven't they? Oh, they have, yes, yeah. Uh, speculation was rife a couple of weeks ago when a luxurious superyacht anchored off Kirkwall. It was thought that one of the world's biggest film stars, Tom Cruise, may have been on board. He was not spotted, but what was seen to come off the yacht were several black bags of rubbish. Tom had been filming around the UK and had hired the boat. Yeah, well, it was an amazing yacht too, and you see the pictures in the... Um Second times, but I think everyone was a bit uh, disappointed. It was only black bags that came off, and not Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be a bit, bit missed at being a rubbish stop too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Lerwick Upheliar Festival has been postponed for a second year. The festival committee said ongoing uncertainty around hosting events made it impossible to prepare to prepare for the events. This will be disappointing for many, particularly at a time when guidance is relaxing for COVID. It is hoped they can start planning with some confidence for the event to return in 2023. Mm. Since the easing of restrictions in July by the Scottish Government, nine cruise ships have called into Shetland. The vessels were on home water cruises around Britain, with UK-only passengers. International sailings are not yet permitted at Scottish ports. Cruise passengers are normally a significant addition to the foot tra traffic of the town centre in the summer months and it will be a further welcome boost to businesses to see these passengers come ashore to enjoy what the town centre has to offer. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, there was a picture of one of the uh, cruise liners in the Shetland Times and the comment below it was, um, it looks like a tenement building. You know, it was just square. It didn't even look like a... It looked awful, actually. <laughs> Yeah, they like, yeah. 
like floating bricks with windows. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of straight up the back. It was square at the back, you know, just straight up from the water. Yeah, it looked really weird, yeah. Mm. I don't think I'd fancy being on it. I wouldn't fancy being on a cruise anyway. Right. Uh, no, not, no. I, I kind of will forever connect cruises with COVID in my head, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, diseases of any kind, because you always get coughs and colds and everything when you're on boats, all sorts, you know, stomach bugs and things. Mm. Yeah, true. But anyhow... It seems New Zealand is not the only place that house prices have been increasing. A national report shows house prices increased 31% in Shetland in a year. But a state agent's claim the figure is not a true representation of the market. Average house price in Shetland in June was £174,285, up from £132,730 into 2020. The spike in demand over recent months has been led by folk from Outworth, Shetland, seeking out the island as a safe and distant location to escape. Well, I don't know about that because I've had quite a number of um, COVID cases just recently. Yeah. Doesn't that sound very familiar, though? Yeah, yes, it does. North to the south, yes. <laughs> right. It has been written before about a wizard who supposedly shapeshifted into a cat. And this idea appears again in the Ernest Walker Marwick papers. Two young men on the Isle of Sanday were taken ill with a very infectious fever. The locals were too afraid of falling ill to tend them, and it was said that Rickel Tullock brought them food in the guise of a cat. Unfortunately for Rickel, she broke her leg soon after this and was confined to bed. At this time, a cat had been caught in a rabbit trap and its leg was broken. The only conclusion to be reached is that they were one and the same. <laughs> yeah. The Marwick papers also tell how cats were the Macbeth of the seas. You never mentioned or even alluded to a cat while it's in the ocean, as it was a terrible omen. This is why some Shetland boys decided to smuggle a cat on board their father's fishing boat, secreting the poor thing within the sail. When the material unfurled to reveal the unlucky Moggy, the father turned straight back to dry land, ordered a new boat, and did not fish again until the new boat was ready. Hmm. Good grief. Poor cat. Yeah. Yeah. Boys haven't changed, have they, really? No, no. Well, I think they're still a bit wary about cats. So yeah. Hmm. These, um, yeah, those kind of things die out very hard. Yeah, yes, they're very superstitious. Hmm. We had a Friday the 13th this month. Were you freaked out by it? Be freaked out by this creepy story instead. Orkney does not have many proper ghost stories. Perhaps tough Orcadians don't scare easily. Most of the folklore revolves around the sea. Sea monsters, selkies and phantom ships all make frequent appearances in the files of wonderful tales. This makes sense as many people relied on the sea for at least part of their living and the flat landscape sometimes feels dwarfed by the sea and skies, especially when it's stormy. One creepy tale that keeps popping up in various forms is that of the Book of the Black Arts. The basic story goes that there once existed a book full of charms and spells imbued with the requisite power to put charms and spells into action. The book was said to be made up of black pages printed with white ink. Mm. All this was great except for one terrifying act. If anyone died whilst in possession of the book, it would be instantly claimed by its author, the devil himself. The book was not easy to get rid of. 
According to Ernest Walker's Marwick's The Folklore of Orkney and Shetland, a man in Sandwick tried to get rid of the book by taking it far out to sea and throwing it over the side of his boat in a sack weighted with rocks. When he got home, the book was waiting for him on the kitchen table. And a girl in Sanday who had been tricked into accepting the evil book by a local witch flung it over Granavi's head, but it was home in her bedroom before she was. The story nearly always ends with a minister being appealed to and accepting charge of the terrible tome. The Reverend Charles Clouston is said to have buried the Sandwick copy and the Reverend Matthew Armour dealt with the Sanday copy. The title page of the Book of the Black Arts is said to have read, Cursed is he that peruseth me. Yes, it sounds a bit dastardly, that book. Hmm. It does. The Ubiquity of the Shetland Boat is written by Mark Chivers. He's a PhD student from the Centre for Nordic Studies in the Shetland College. The clinker construction of open boats of Shetland have always been associated with fishing, with a fixerine particularly, taking a lot of the glory. Fishing undoubtedly was, was and continues to be of immense importance to Shetland economy and cultural heritage, but boats were not just used for fishing. They were the cars of their day, and boats were needed to visit folk, to fetch the doctor, to take the minister to church on Sunday, to flit livestock, peats and goods of all description. Ironically, even cars too. In some places, the post was delivered and collected by boat, and people used the boats to go shopping. There were several shops in Shetland situated next to the water, a couple of examples being the old shop of Sand Sound and the shop at Vidlin. This way of life has now disappeared. The turning point seems to have come with the introduction of the Roro Ferry Service in 1975, which made it possible for the first time to travel between most of the major islands without leaving the comfort of your car. As well as the Roro Ferry Service, the building of the bridges connecting Barra and Trondra to the mainland also made getting about by car so much more convenient. It seems that a time has come when a lot of folk have forgotten what life was like before the Roro Ferry Service and the bridges. For the younger generations and incomers who know no different, it would be hard to imagine what life was like before the car replaced the boat as a ubiquitous mode of transport in Shetland. As an outsider examining Shetland's past maritime culture, it seems very important that life before the Roro Ferry Service should not be completely forgotten, and that this way of life should be recorded for future generations, so that they can learn about and appreciate their small open boat maritime heritage. Yeah, I think that's much the same in uh, Orkney uh, with the Churchill Barriers. You know, I don't think the young ones appreciate them as much as they should. Uh, you know, in years gone by, we'd had to hop on a boat to go to the mainland, but now you just hop on your car and drive across the barriers. It's so easy, and, uh, you know, it only takes a few minutes. Mm. Yeah, so much easier. Yeah, much easier, yeah, except when it's a bit rough and the water's crashing over one barrier particularly. Yeah, it can be a bit dicey going over it. Yeah. Mm. Right, in July, Westray held a Scarecrow Festival to raise money for the lifeboat service. Scarecrow were dotted all around the island. A map was produced to show where they all were. The grand sum of £1,059.53 was raised. So well done again. Oh, good job. I hope they've left Yeah, them. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see some of them. Mm. Mm. Well, it's that time again when we have to come to the end of our programme. 
I know things have eased up a bit in the islands, but do be careful and keep safe. If we leave our homes, we have to wear masks, and I think it's a good idea. It is a bit of protection for oneself, even though I feel I'm being suffocated. Well, cheerio for now. Cheerio. See you next. Speak to you next time. (laughs) Okay. 